The Blockbusters Podcast is now a proud member of the Pod Bros Network. We're now among the ranks of such other great podcasts as The Language of Bromance, Snake Oil Comics, and Late Night Gamers. So head on over to podbros.com to check out those and more. Right, right after, after this. this. Welcome to the In Session Film Podcast. Welcome to episode 101 for January 25th, 2015, and I'm J.D. Duran. And I'm Brendan Cassidy. Thanks for joining us this week, everybody. For those that aren't familiar with In Session Film, if you're new joining us, uh, what we do is we take uh, some new releases that's come out in theaters or on VOD, we discuss them. We usually have a top three. In the case of this week, we have a top five in store, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Before we get into all of the details with that, I have a huge announcement up front. Now, I've kind of teased this over the last couple weeks. Uh, If you've listened to our show over the last couple months, you might have known that this is probably coming. Um, But as of today, going into 2015, Mr. Brendan Cassidy, my lovely friend, here is going to be our official co-host on the main show for the Intention Film Podcast, which is very exciting. Brendan, glad you're glad you're aboard now. Wait, really? Really? I didn't know that was <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, and 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 just for those out there, because there have been a few questions regarding Blake. And Blake is fine. Everything's okay. Uh, he served this podcast really well. He's he, we're still on good terms, but uh, his 2014 was just a little bit rough, and he's just kind of having to get things uh, get things in order and just kind of take care of himself, so to speak. So um, he may guest on the show from time to time, much like you've heard with some of our other former co-hosts on the show. So that being said, Brendan is now taking over the main show, and we actually will have a new co-host for the Extra Film Podcast, which we will announce later this week on the Extra Film Podcast. So, uh, But Brendan, I'm really looking forward to 2015, man. I appreciate it, man, and I can't wait to hear the announcement when we talk about extra film then, because I think it's going to get a lot of people excited. Um, and yeah. obviously, you know, words for Blake. Uh, you know, best of luck to him as the years go on. Yeah, um, absolutely. What he, what, what he brought to the show, though, I mean, he brought some great humor and great insight. And when the three of us were together on some of those past shows, yeah, we had some good chemistry. It, I mean, amazing when, stuff. When we, yeah. When we reviewed Tusk together, that was a good <laughs> show. I still well, remember yeah. that one. Yeah. So yeah, best best of luck to him. Won't be trying to replace yes. a great guy that he is. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate it, man, and I'm really looking forward to you know serving this podcast well. Yeah, I absolutely. Uh, we've had a ton of feedback for both you and Blake, so I really look forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the last little thing, also before we get into what we're doing on the show this week, is uh, a huge thank you to all of our fans because uh, earlier this week for the Geekcast Radio Network Awards, we were nominated for uh, Best Movie Review Podcast. Uh, which was really exciting, and it kind of came out of left field. I I really didn't know much about it other than I was aware of the awards, and I found out later that the nomination process was because of fan voting. It wasn't anything we did uh, or campaigned for. It was just a bunch of fans voting for us, which was really exciting. So huge, huge thank you to everyone that voted for us, and uh, and that has supported the show from you know from the beginning or, or whenever. So we really, really appreciate that too. That was a really cool thing that happened this last week for us. 
That was really exciting. Yeah, I that came, you're right. That came out of left field. That was so cool, especially like you said. We didn't even we didn't even know about yeah, campaign yeah, for it. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, we just got a congratulations yeah. for it. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I know. And, and also, and yeah. also, a huge congrats to all the other uh, you know, podcasts that were nominated yes, absolutely. as well. Um, you know, I said we saw simplistic reviews on simplistic there. Simplistic well. reviews, job, yes. guys. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, in fact, DJ tweeted us and said the only way to settle this is through a dance off. So we'll have to settle that at some point. <laughs> Uh, or another nerding out session, maybe. We can yeah, do something which like that. which will be happening very very soon. In fact, I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. But yeah, uh, th- anyway, th- thanks to everyone that voted. Though we really really do appreciate it. So, all right, well, let's get into episode 101 a little bit. Uh, like I said, we are going to be reviewing uh, a new movie that came out recently. So this week we're going to be discussing American Sniper, uh, the latest with Bradley Cooper. We're also going to be discussing later in the show a most violent year with Jessica Chastain and. Oscar Isaac. And for our top three this week, we're actually going to do a top five if time permits. And we're going to do our top five most anticipated films of 2015. So I kind of wrote up a little thing for me on the website for those that have seen it, but I'm going to expand my picks a little bit more and why I'm excited for them. So really, really excited for that. But I also have to introduce some really, really fun guests. We have Paul and Brian from the Blockbusters podcast. Thanks for joining us, guys. You're most welcome. Yeah, no problem at all. So you guys have a really fun podcast. I actually caught up with like probably four or five different shows this last week. Uh, tell us a little bit about your show and where can we find it on the internet? We just, uh, we are more in-depth. We tackle about just one film at a time um, and just discuss uh, various themes, the plot, uh, anything that comes to mind <laughs> for roughly an hour. And... Uh, we try to save it for the bigger films or just things that really, really spark our interest. Sure. Yeah, it, it's a really fun conversation to listen to. I really love your guys's on-air chemistry. It's one of my favorite things about really good podcasts is if the co-hosts r- really uh, like to rip off of each other and stuff, it's it's fun to listen to. So you guys well, have a really I don't know if show. I like ripping off. I like ripping on. Paul, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Maybe different but yeah sure uh no it's it's exciting definitely go check out their show though it's really fantastic stuff uh and then the last thing before we get into the show as brennan kind of alluded to earlier for our bonus content this week we actually are going to be doing another nerd out segment with dj valentine from the simplistic reviews podcast so make sure you look out for that later on in the week all right guys we got a lot to dive into so let's get into it and here You're listening to the Incession Film Podcast. This is episode 101. Brendan, thanks for saving me at the bar. 
What do you mean? I think I saved that bar from you. Would you be surprised if I told you that the Navy has credited you with over 160 kills? Mm. Do you ever think that you might have seen things or done some things over there that you wish you hadn't? Oh, that's not me, no. What's not you? I was just protecting my guys. They were trying to kill our soldiers, and uh, I'm willing to meet my creator and ask for every shot that I took. The thing that uh, haunts me are all the guys that I couldn't save. I'm willing and able to be there, but I'm not. I'm here. I quit. You can walk down any hall in this hospital. we got plenty of soldiers need saving. All right, American Sniper is directed by Clint Eastwood and stars Bradley Cooper, Santa Miller, and a few other people that we'll get into. All right, guys, this film has been cloaked in a lot of controversy, a lot of opinion surrounding this. Uh, unfortunately, I think it's gotten too far into the political realm, but I'll toss it to you guys first, Paul and Brian, but what did you guys think about American Sniper? Oh, well, I thought that it was a... A very good-looking film. Like I'm really into the visual side of it, and I thought they did very well at doing the sort of grittiness, the grayed-out kind of look to it, especially when they were um, over in Iraq on their tours and stuff. And sure, yeah. Uh, w- without going too far into it right now, but I thought that Bradley Cooper uh, gave one of the best performances I've seen this year as well. And in uh, I, I would agree with. Uh... That last bit there that I think Bradley Cooper just nailed it. Um, Mm -hmm. The film as a whole, like Paul said, it was a good-looking film. Um, The entire story, we can get into a little bit, uh, I had some issues with, but I think an above-average war biography for me. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Where I stand. What about you, Brendan? So... um First thing I gotta say is that I'm a huge Clint Eastwood fan as a director, um, and I, we, we kind of acknowledge that he's been on a bit of a creative tailspin for the past couple of years. But uh, the general consensus is that this is essentially looked upon as his best film since Gran Torino, and I might have to agree with that. But I would agree. Just yeah. like JD, just like that we've discussed, yeah, JD, just like that we've discussed in the past about biopics that a lot of them have just had um, an improper focus, so to speak. Sure. I felt like that I had that I had that with this film as well. And mostly it came down to the film's final act. Um, yes. We'll get more into it later. Yeah. But I do think that for the most part, this I was very riveted by this movie. I think it's very well made. I think it's very tense. However, the way it deals with this nature of warfare, this style, and the way that the uh, Bradley Cooper character of Chris Kyle kind of leads into this obsession, so to speak, it felt a little bit like it was too late for me because we saw this done so much better in The Hurt Locker, and I couldn't help but make those comparisons. Sure. But having said yeah. that, Bradley Cooper is fantastic in this movie. In fact, I actually am happy that he was nominated for an Oscar. I was a little doubtful at first, but I do think he gave a very good performance here, and I do think this shows a solid step up for Clint Eastwood as a director with the past looking at films like J. Edgar and uh, – Jersey Boys, and even Hereafter, which were very weak And let's, let's not forget Trouble with the Curve. Let's not forget that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I Thank forgot God all about had, that, yeah. yeah as did America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank God he didn't direct that one, but I know it was still under his production company, yeah, so I guess it's, yeah. still, it's still a credit still, to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah <laughs> him with Mel Paso Productions. But I do think this is a step up. Uh, I, we'll, we'll get into more where I do think the final act was very, very, very unearned. 
Um, but we'll get more into that later. But I do, I do recommend the movie enough based on what I did like about it. Well, I am pretty much right in the same vein as you guys. I, I did like this movie overall. I have some pretty glaring issues, and you touched on a bunch of them, Brendan. Before I get into that, though, the one thing I did want to bring up, because I was pretty passionate about this, as, as much I think a lot of other cinephiles out there, was the kind of political controversy surrounding this absolutely drives me nuts. I do think that these kinds of stories can spark some really great conversation. I think regarding the person, regarding the politics, it can lead to some interesting and probably needed discussion. But when it comes to criticizing the film as a piece of art, I think if you struggle separating your political beliefs from art, I don't think you're trying hard enough because I've seen so many criticisms about this film, so many articles that are talking about Chris Kyle and how that became a detraction for people from the film. And it's absolutely unnecessary to me. It was absolutely driving me crazy. You know, people were talking about some of the stuff after he got home from the war. Like all of that is not what this movie is about. Just like if you watched Selma, that movie wasn't about how Martin Luther King was this serial adulterer. I mean, sure, the film, both those films kind of subtly hint at other problems, but this film was about his struggle, his addiction, if you will, and that's something I'm going to get into here in a little bit. Now, I do agree with you, Brendan, that it's so easy to make these comparisons to The Hurt Locker. It was even easy for me to make a comparison to something like Enemy at the Gates and even a little bit of Lone Survivor. And, and that's up down in there, too. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the criticism of this film, and that's where people should be lying their criticisms because this is by far from a perfect film. There is some very glaring holes in it. But leave your politics out of it because I don't care. We can have that conversation separately. Exactly. Yeah. Another thing I want to touch on real fast and then I'll toss it back to you guys is this kind of war is hell cliche that a lot of people have criticized this film on as well. I think that's something that we have to abandon as film critics or people that are talking about this because you have to by now learn to expect that. Uh, We know that that's going to be the case. We've learned through war that when people come back, they're just not the same person, that they're devastated. I think it's the journey from A to B and the exploration of that that matters. And I think that there is some issues with that. And that's what we can talk about. But when it comes to the PTSD stuff and, and using that as, oh, that's a cliched trope, let's drop that. Because every other crime film has the same kind of tropes. I mean, we could talk about that with every genre, too. So I don't want to get into that either. Uh, let's talk more, though, about what I think is his addiction or his kind of struggle. What did you guys think about that and how that was handled? Uh, I thought that, I mean, speaking as, of course, a civilian, um, I thought that was handled extremely well. Um, I have known a few people in the military and a couple of those that have suffered very similar issues, not quite yeah. to that extent, of course, yeah. but uh, just being an alien over, you know, in America now, just sure. Just, yeah. You know, on their own level. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that was handled very well uh, in the scenes that portrayed that. I was thinking as I was watching it that they were able to show how they are perceived. Like most of the scenes you saw him just not really reacting and you were actually kind of seeing it from the wife's perspective. So you were seeing the out 
the outward appearance of these people rather than showing the inward stuff necessarily because all the inward stuff was kind of what he was dealing with while he was at war and then while he was at home you were seeing the shell of a man that he used to be uh, and I, I thought there was the a good scene that showing of the two home the most with me was when he was getting his truck fixed and the yeah, uh, yeah, gentleman yeah, yeah. comes up and thanks yeah. him and he's just deadpan he's so uh, detached yeah 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 like mm-hmm. this man is just thanking him for saving his life and he's yeah just doing just yeah. doing my job yeah you know. yeah yeah and, and those are the moments as to the reason why or actually those are the best moments of the movie for me and really those are the reasons why i would recommend this movie and a lot of it is sure. because of bradley cooper's performance I agree. here I agree. and i think he is he does such a good job demonstrating this obsession in a very subtle but visceral way uh, and, and, and that's what I love most about this movie is that it's not over the top in the way it deals with his obsession. And it also helps create essentially what is a flawed man, uh, how you know his obsession is essentially – we'll get more into the story – how he basically wants to go out and kill this one enemy sniper that has caused a lot of pain with his different tours that have killed a lot of people that he's known. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where a lot of the uh, conflict is. So, uh, and, and I, but I love the way he sells it. And I think that's what makes the that work for me. Um, I I will kind of go a little bit into more that I do think the portrayal of this enemy sniper was a bit over the top. That it almost made yes. oh, thank you, yes. thank you, thank you. Yes. Yeah, I, it, it was almost it was almost like I was watching The Winter Soldier actually in action. I mean, he just he was he, 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 yeah. it was villainous to the sense like he was a superhero villain. It's, it, it, it was, was just, almost yeah, comical. It was, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it was, it was like let's take. Top. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was just. It was. It was so like. It was over the top in the way that it was unbelievable for me. And I think yeah. comical is kind of the right word. And um, I mean, I do think the black and white aspect is probably not a way, a best way to criticize this movie because yes, we obviously have us as the good guys and then them as the enemy. That's how we kind of are perceiving it. But I love that at least Bradley Cooper doesn't make him doesn't portray the character and make himself look like he's a hero. He yeah. is torn between both yeah. sides, and he and he realizes that he's making a lot of mistakes in this process sure. too. And we even recognize that. Yeah, which is we'll get more into the ending of the yeah. film. That's why I think the ending of the film is so unearned because of the way he portrays the character. Then it kind of abandons yes. that. Yes. Um, but yeah, but I do. I, I will reiterate the uh, the portrayal of the butcher. They call him. I think was yeah. was very mishandled. No, I agree with you, and I definitely want to touch on that here in a little bit, but getting back to kind of his struggle, I do agree with you, Brennan, that the way Bradley Cooper plays this, it's very much not really heroic. I don't think he looks at himself as a hero, and I never really believed Mm -hmm. that he really was. I mean, like you guys were touching on, when he's in that garage and his truck is being fixed, this guy is looking at him as a hero. In fact, the guy actually told his son, your father is a hero, and the whole time he's like not acknowledging that at all. And he does have this struggle that I do think was compelling. I think there's not enough of that in this movie. We do spend a lot of time over in Iraq. But I guess the one thing about that that I do like when it comes to his struggle is that it does kind of mirror him being away from his wife and kids, which was the heart of that struggle in so many ways, as well as his addiction of wanting to be overseas, of of wanting to kill the enemy, so to speak, and, and save his brothers. And I do think that is displayed in Cooper's performance. And you guys touched on that really well. I love Bradley Cooper in this film. And it's, it's not so much his dialogue, but just his subtle little touches. It's his facial expressions. It's his eyes. There's like little moments when he is behind the scope and you've seen this in the trailer. If you've watched the trailer or, you know, you probably have seen the film. This movie is made $200 million almost that it's, it's the moments when he's behind the scope and there's like kids involved or there's a struggle there and his reaction to that 
is what makes this film so amazing to me when he is doing the sniping aspects of it. And there's two really distinct scenes with kids involved that showcase that really well. And both of them are amazing. The first one is obviously very visceral. You wouldn't know exactly how to react. But what I love about that scene is after the action is done, the guy next to him goes to grab him and almost kind of congratulate him. And his words to me is, get the f- off me i loved that i thought that was really amazing and yes yes and and even the second time around when that is done and it plays out a little differently but again it's his reaction right after that that sells it it's so subtle it's just a breath but those are like the emotional beats that work the best for me because of cooper's performance and i think from a narrative standpoint it actually works pretty well at the same time now i do agree with you brennan well let's get to the end but uh the last thing i'll say and i'll toss it back to you guys is i when he's back home i also really liked sienna miller as well i think she has some really strong lines even though those those scenes that she's in you could argue are a little bit cliched but i think her performance elevates the cliche and i wish we would have got more of her because she her performance is pretty subdued as well but the performances i think really make this film for me given that, like you guys said, overall, it's it's kind of average. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that I uh, I agree about – when you look at a Clint Eastwood movie, it's always the performances that really help sell it. He just knows how to get good acting performances out of his cast. He just he yeah. knows how to do yeah. that. I mean we, we look at something like Mystic River, which I think is one of the best acted films ever made. Uh, I mean he just knows how to do that. And, and I will agree. I think Sienna Miller is – fantastic here i think if you would have given her more to do she would have yeah, been in conversation exactly. i think she would have been in conversation for her best supporting actress yeah sure um but I, and i think you could i think you could even still make that argument here i think she's better than some of the people that are already nominated like for example kira knightley uh i yeah, I, I, yeah. I loved her and i mean you're right some of the moments are very obvious like you kind of have to have that in a in an, a, a morally struggling war film like this but he sells it in a way that, does. It, that, yeah. that it overcame the cliche, just like you said. Yeah, absolutely. What about you guys? Uh, yeah, I would agree uh, 100% there. You know, that whole thing was very cliched where she's like, you know, we may not be here when you come back. But she sells that, and I believe her. Well, I, uh, I would just like to point out there that the big problem, especially with this type of film, is the cliche of the uh, wife and a strange relationship. The problem there is that is what happens, so you can't avoid it at all. Yeah, because, cliches are cliches yeah. because they are true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, just parrot what you guys were saying that uh, Sienna Miller made those scenes work where they could have just been eye rollers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and on top of that, on top of that, she's great to look at too. That <laughs> uh, doesn't hurt. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. All right, well. Uh, let- yeah, go ahead. All right, let's talk about, for the sake of, of moving on in time, let's move on to yeah. some of the action beats of the film, which to me, in a lot of ways, it's some of the most frustrating parts of this movie. Now, I do think that they're really well shot for the most part. They're well choreographed, and we've seen that from Clean Eastwood before, so that's not a surprise to me. I think what's most frustrating to me is that he ends up abandoning this whole sniper aspect of the film, especially for the Bradley Cooper character. And maybe it's just because of my expectations. I actually haven't read the book. So maybe he was just following the book. I don't know. But once we get to that first tour of Chris Kyle, and then there's that opening scene with the kid as I was talking about. And then right after that, there's a scene where 
they're raiding some houses and he's he shoots like five or six more people or whatever. But after that, it's pretty much abandoned throughout all the middle of the film until we get to the end where there's the second scene with the kid and then the final shootout with the other villain as Brennan was talking about. And to me, that was just frustrating. It felt like they were hooking you with this title, American Sniper, and we don't really see much sniping in this film at all. In fact... He was credited with 160 kills, and I bet 150 of them or more were off screen. And so they're building up this legend, and he's supposed to be this badass warrior, and we really don't see much of it. And normally that necessarily wouldn't be a criticism, but we spend so much time in the war aspect. We spend so much time in Iraq that why why do we abandon that? It's like Clint Eastwood. He couldn't make it dramatically compelling enough being behind the scope. So let's force him into the action. And I didn't really care for that very much. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, They could have had those more sniping scenes. Instead, they followed this antagonist protagonist struggle with this rival sniper and we went into those enemy at the gates territory and that yeah exactly i I could not stand those scenes i'm like this isn't his apollo creed yeah Uh, yeah exactly yeah move on well my my biggest problem when it comes to this sort of thing is that um i actually looked a little bit into what actually happened versus what's in the film and that first scene where he uh, sees the kid and has the grenade and has to make that decision. Yes. That never happened. Like, he he did shoot a woman in the actual sure. tour, and that was the only time he ever shot anyone that wasn't a male yeah. insurgent. Like, and so they, they just kind of added that in, I think, so that there could be that parallel scene at the end where yeah. he is doubting yeah, himself. Yeah, sure. So, which um, which I, I'm okay with stuff like that. I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm okay with these kind of quote-unquote true story movies changing the facts if it works dramatically for the film. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that was one of those instances where it did work for me because I think it was dramatically compelling. So I was okay with that. Uh, Brendan, what do you think about about all that so um finally when it comes to a a biopic i have something to disagree with you about jd all right Uh, (laughs) because for the most part i was the way it abandoned it i was okay with it because it still maintained a certain level of tension for me and i I accepted the fact that this is probably how it was done how it actually what actually did happen with the real life of chris kyle so i was able to accept that and clint eastwood was still able to maintain a certain amount of tension for me that i was still engaged with i mean i will agree with you i'm okay if they are able to you know, change a few things here and there for the sake of the uh, drama of the story. Um, I wasn't okay with how this movie ended, though. I mean, I, I will get to that in a second. Sure. But for the most part, I was okay with them, you know, like in your quotes, abandoning the sniper aspect. Um, because in many ways, I mean, I felt like it really wasn't abandoned all that much. I felt like it was more about this is a guy who was, you know, trained and went overseas as a sniper, but realized that there's other things that he could do to help out, and he took yeah. the initiative to do those things, even though someone initially said, don't, you're supposed to stay put and watch out for these guys, be the overhead, because they feel protected yeah. under you. And, but, and, and, I, and I, I think from a character standpoint, I can kind of buy that, but it felt forced to me. It felt like Clint Eastwood didn't know how to make it dramatically compelling being from a sniper in the background, kind of away from the action, so let's put him in the action. It felt so too contrived to me. I disagree there. I thought he. I thought it was still. Uh, I thought it, it still felt seamless enough to me that I was able to accept it. Yeah, I'll disagree. What about you? What about you guys? I, I was just going to say, wouldn't if in a real military situation, if he abandoned his post and went in, un, like directly disobeying an order, 
wouldn't that have some real serious consequences? And potentially so, yeah. life-threatening consequences yeah, yeah, if they're right. ambushed and he does Yeah. But of course, uh, because when yeah. he actually goes in and he isn't killed in the end, yeah. like, it just seemed to be glossed over. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Like his reckless. Uh, yeah. His own initiative seemed very yeah. reckless. I, I would agree, yeah. All right, for the sake of time, Brendan, uh, let's talk about the ending of the film. I'll let you kind of go into it, and then we'll bounce off of it. But uh, let's discuss some of the issues that is pretty glaring, I think, here at the end of the movie. Yeah, and um, I guess we're okay to kind of go into maybe some spoiler territory here because since this is a a biography, I get, uh, you know, the real life story is known and made public, um, but I'll try and keep it as vague as possible. But essentially the whole movie, like we talked about, is basically trying to create this central character in Bradley Cooper, uh, Chris Kyle, that he does have this this, uh, faulting obsession with trying to catch this one guy. Uh, and he wants to keep going back and how that affects, uh, how in the end affects his family life, affects his obsession with war in general. It kind of goes back to the Hurt Locker's theme about war is a drug. And it specifically states that at the beginning of that movie. Uh, but, but when we get to the film's ending, uh, if the, I mean, it's a tragic ending when I mean, we all know that, uh, but the, well, it shows this real raw footage of, uh, you know, of, of the funeral aspects of this, Yeah, sure. but, but it makes it look like. That, that Clint Eastwood is trying to portray this guy in 100% of a positive light when the movie spent its time not doing that. Exactly, so, and, 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 yeah. And that, that's, that's the problem I have with it is that I'm okay with a movie ending that way if the movie was meant to portray a figure that way. But this movie, whether or not he really was or not, if this is a real portrayal of the character, is beside the point. In the movie, Clint Eastwood spent the entire movie with Bradley Cooper's performance here portraying a, a, a guiltily obsessed and flawed man that ha- made a lot of mistakes that, yeah, exactly. and things like that. And it doesn't really you know, create the argument that he was a hero. And I feel like the movie ends that way. And it was very not – it was just not earned. It really was yeah. not earned. And I'll let you bounce off more of that. But that was my problem. No, I, I agree with you. Before I get to my thoughts, though, I want to toss it to you first, Paul and Brian. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I uh, would disagree slightly. I, I, uh, I, I know there's the, that shift in tone. But I'm okay with it because it is a true story and because his life ended so tragically and not there in Iraq. And I do think he is a hero and, you know, we're allowed to do these silly things like podcasting because people like Chris Kyle exist. Uh, So even if he is a flawed man, he still saved lives. And I I know that's a dramatic shift there. Uh, Just maybe an attempt to get tears, essentially. Yeah, and I think uh, and, the and, audience, I, and, and I'll just back up my argument. I don't think it's that I'm saying I don't think he's a hero. I'm not saying that. I think it's I think it's from a movie standpoint. It was just that juxtaposition didn't work for me. Yeah. What about you, Paul? Well, I again looking up the actual true facts of it. I have a bit of an issue with this film being really portrayed as a biopic because in real life, this guy never met this enemy sniper. Like, never encountered him at all. So sure. this character was clearly put in there to be that yeah. drug. It was very e- manufactured, for sure. E- even though, like, the the real Chris Kyle, he came home after four tours specifically because his marriage was failing and he needed to spend more time with his kids. I think he would have gone back if it hadn't been for that. So I think having it entirely be on the family would have made it a better struggle for him rather than needing this central character that he has to defeat before he can yeah. come home. No, yeah, I, I, I'm good. 
I'm glad you said that. Be- I'm sorry to cut you off, JD, but I just want to say I'm glad you said that because now it makes the movie even more disappointing for me. I think ending it that way in, in the real life aspect actually would have made this movie stronger for me. Now that I think about it, because I didn't know that aspect of it. Yeah. That's that's fascinating to know. I think it would have made a better movie. And see, even without knowing that. I think the enemy sniper feels too manufactured. It's there just for dramatic purposes anyway. Oh, yeah. And I agree with you, Paul, that it's his struggle with his wife and his addiction of being over at war. That's what's compelling. And that's compelling enough on its own. Like we don't need to add other tension or these other uh, stereotype tropes just to add – new drama to the film it just didn't make sense to me and i think another thing that really makes that disappointing like you were saying brendan is that once he does get home he has this emotional shift there's like this redemption about him of of getting back to being a normal kind of guy and his wife you know embracing you know his healing if you will and all of that while it can feel emotional felt very manipulative to me it felt very manufactured and it was very messy uh, it was too rushed and it didn't really buy into it and i think the big reason eastwood was doing that was because he was wanting to respect the family i think he was re- wanting to respect military families and chris kyle so there was this huge dramatic shift but i think from a movie standpoint from a narrative standpoint it doesn't make sense and i agree with you brennan that juxtaposition just didn't work very well for me even though it can feel emotional it was just too manufactured for me to really enjoy from a dramatic and movie standpoint i it just like you said it wasn't earned at least it wasn't for me i i would agree with that that it was tied up a little too neatly there that oh hey suddenly i'm a great husband now and uh it, they, they it was very sudden, pointed yeah. They could have pointed in that direction, like, I know I need work, but I'm here yeah. now. You know, it didn't have to be like, hey, I'm yeah. husband of the year, dad of the year now, yeah. Um, yeah, just to, yeah, like, emphasize the tragedy. Like, it was going to yeah. be tragic no matter what. Yeah, because yeah. we literally get one scene of him conflicted with this, and then he almost attacks their own dog because he thinks he's yeah. attacking their son. Yep. And then literally the next scene later, he's, he's at like, the hospital. Okay. Yeah, he's like, okay, now I'm a better man. And yeah. there, there was yeah. no lead up to that. There was yeah. no uh, development towards yeah. that. It was very sudden. And I think that's where the juxtaposition is yeah. where it failed for me. And I think another I, scene to add on top of that that makes it even more disappointing to me because if they would have explored this further, it would have been really interesting. But it's that last scene that he has with his wife. And he walks in with this loaded gun. It's cocked. He has his cowboy hat on, and he's about to leave. And Cooper's performance is strange. That scene is so weird. And you can tell that this guy, while he may be quote-unquote better to his wife, he's still a bit off to me. And I think to see that exploration further would have been really interesting. But for the sake of moving on, let's get to other final thoughts. And what grade would you guys give American Sniper? Well, I, I have to say, I, I just wanted to throw out one more comment there as well. Is that Did you notice that that final scene had the most color out of any scene in the film? The uh, the idea being that now he's kind of away from the war and the veil yeah. is lifted. Like, sure. It was yeah, really yeah. colorful. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was an interesting way to play it. Um, Good point. But yeah, I think that um, as we've gone over, like there, there are so many little niggles at this film, but the performances are the thing that carry it. Like I can't, I can't really fault the people in it. Uh, sure. I could fault, the, I could fault them not being given enough to do, as yeah. you said with the Sierra Miller character. But uh, yeah, Bradley Cooper was fantastic. Sierra Miller was good, and um, I. It's one of those films that I could see myself every couple of years just sitting down, rewatching, and enjoying the the 
performances, even if the actual plot and stuff itself is kind sure. of yeah. kind of meh. <laughs> uh, but I would say um, using our own rating uh, scale. I would say yeah, just yeah. yeah I'd say um, probably give this film a minus one, oh. um, just just because, like, mm. as you said, so many little cliches <laughs> and stuff thrown in and narrative points changed, so it's not really a biopic anymore, but saved so much by Bradley Cooper in that role. Yeah, it could have just too. been a train wreck without him, I believe. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I, I will... Uh, sorry, Paul, to leave you on a ledge there. I, I will use fine. your guys' grading system just to make it a little easier to understand. <laughs> Sure. Fine, fine, that's it. <laughs> like this is the first time I've left you hanging. Out. Okay. Without a cause, I see. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, um, like I would completely agree that uh, Bradley Cooper is this movie. And that being said, that there were a lot of great scenes, um, both in the war, both at home. Uh, it didn't. There wasn't enough cohesion for me. It didn't all tie together enough for me. A lot of the contrived stuff that you said, a lot of the plot devices that were unnecessary. Uh, And like I said at the very beginning, an above-average war biography or biopic, however you want to word it. And I would go with a B. All right, what about you, Brennan? Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat. I really think it's the performances that sell this. And at least I think for the first half, I was really with this movie for the first half. Um, I thought at that point, mostly due to Bradley Cooper's performance and even Sienna Miller, uh, I thought there was good cohesion, at least in the way it portrayed its themes of obsession and, you know, a flawed man and things like that. Yes, we saw it all with the Hurt Locker bit uh, and, and in other movies. I thought it was well made to a degree. I do think the second half is when it starts to deviate away from that, and then I had sure. a, a lot more issues with the uh, the consistency of its themes and how it kind of wraps things up into a nice little bow when I think it wasn't quite earned in that way. But I will agree. I would also give this movie a B. I do think it's worth checking out, kind of, uh, but like with a lot of other biopics we've seen this year, it's it does have some focus problems. Um, it's kind of like when we look at a movie like The Theory of Everything. I mean I still technically recommend that movie because of Eddie Redmayne's performance in that, but the movie itself is not that great. I think this movie's better, but I recommend it for the same reasons. See it for Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I think as far as my expectations for this film, I think that's the reason that maybe I've been a little hard on it because I actually enjoyed the movie overall. I I mentioned that when we first started talking about this. So I think I made it sound like I hated this movie. And I think it's just because I was very disappointed by it in in so many different ways because there was huge potential here. Uh, And like you guys were saying, Bradley Cooper, he's, he's really amazing here. I think he's really fantastic. Sienna Miller as well in her limited role. And I think the film has a lot of interesting things to say about masculinity, which is really ironic. I think coming from Clint Eastwood, given his kind of legacy in film. And on top of that, we also get some really interesting stuff with his addiction and his post-traumatic stress disorder kind of stuff when we get home, which I wish they would have explored a little bit further. Uh, But I think the one thing about that that did intrigue me, even though it was rushed, is this idea of when he got home, he was so disturbed and he wasn't exactly sure how to handle himself. And we see that when he's just sitting in his house and he's looking at the TV and the noise there, the editing of the sound makes it seem like maybe we're watching some sort of war movie when it's really just a a black screen on the TV. So we know that that's what's in his mind all the time. And we see him really struggling with that. And so when he gets to the hospital, even though he's trying to mask it off, he's trying to pretend like he's okay. He realizes that there are people there to save. Like there are 
veterans that he can help. And that gave him purpose. And I thought that was really interesting. And I wish that we would have explored that a little further because I thought that was a really nice beat and a nice touch to the film. But uh, all that being said, overall, like you guys are saying, it, it's not a bad film by any means. It's just very messy. Uh, but it's a decent watch that uh, I would recommend, like you guys were saying, for the performances alone. I would give this a B- minus overall. And if you want to read more of my thoughts, you can go and check out our review on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash film. And if you agree or disagree with our takes on Clint Eastwood's American Sniper, you can let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash film, or you can tweet us at film. You could also leave us a comment on our Google Plus page or email us at film at gmail.com. All right, the Incession Film Top 3 is next, or in this case, Top 5, and we're going to be discussing our Top 5 Most Anticipated Films of 2015. Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> no, Star Wars. Wow, I didn't uh, see that. Coming. All right, <laughs> right Brendan, we get it. We get it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Brendan, so, you know, we just got done reviewing American Sniper, and I gotta say, like that movie, the First Time Watchers podcast is a show that kills. It kills, literally. I've almost died listening to it. <laughs> In the worst possible. No, 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 no. Uh, so that's not literally, yeah. but yeah. Great supporter of our show. We always love calling them out on that. Um, and they're definitely a podcast everyone out there. You guys gotta check them out. Hosted by Tim, Walter, and Hermano. And what does kill is their movie knowledge. They know their yes. show. Yes, absolutely. Their show and their banter is amazing, and I will say they almost literally killed me on the Inherent Vice review and them trying to decipher the plot, which was totally not the point of that, but they had a fun time trying to figure it out anyway, and thankfully Tim saved me from being killed since he liked the movie quite a bit as well. Yeah, so so there there are some redeeming factors that keep us alive. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but but some of the other redeeming factors going on that is some of the uniqueness about their show is that every week they'll pick a movie that none of them have seen and they'll watch it and discuss it. So it's very fresh. Very, their their perspectives are very fresh like that. They also talk about other movies and then trailers they've seen recently. So there's a lot of good stuff you got to check out there. Absolutely, and and they also do movie recommendations at the end of the show that I would highly pay attention to as well. And the show overall, it's just very smart. It's fluid. It's very easy. To listen to and you can tell they just have a lot of fun it's three guys they know each other very well and it's very entertaining because of that uh so that being said brendan where can you find these guys on the internet so you can check them out at firsttimewatchers.blogspot.com also hit them up on twitter at first time watchers and also you can search them on facebook by just searching for first time watchers and there you go absolutely subscribe to them on itunes uh, leave them a review uh, i i promise it's going to be absolutely worth your time Again, that's First Time Watchers.
You're listening to the Incession Film Podcast. This is episode 101, and now we're going to be going over our top five most anticipated films of 2015. Uh, normally, we ask to see if you guys have any criteria to pick your list. I'm not sure if there really is any criteria, unless you guys want to leave off some obvious choices. But uh, I think we can just jump right into it, and uh, we'll start with you, Paul. What is your number five most anticipated film of 2015? All right. Well, um, when I heard anticipated, I decided to go just kind of what I'm most excited about seeing. And my number five is actually Project Almanac. And, okay. And uh, I know some people that know me will know that I don't really like like kind of found footage type thing. But I thought that the idea behind this one looks like it could be a really well done time travel film. Found footage needs to become lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, in case you didn't know, Brian doesn't like my <laughs> footage even more than I did. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think that um, if it's done well, it could be kind of like maybe Chronicle meets Primer. And if it's done badly, sure. then it could be like almost every other found footage film out there. So Yeah, I'm, I'm a little curious about it. I think what you're touching on is exactly the right points to make. I know that this project was moved back. They even renamed the title of the project. So I'm a little standoffish because of that. But I agree, it's, it's at least intriguing for sure. All right, Brian, what do you got at number five? Uh, I have It Follows. For my number five. Um, do you guys know about this at all? I am aware of the project. I don't know much details about it, though. Okay. Um, it's a horror genre. And for a genre that I have very little love for, I will say that up front, um, I'm actually anticipating this. I would hesitate to use the word original because, um, you know, like there's nothing original uh, <laughs> anymore. But uh, it does look like an interesting kind of take on the um, young teens or whatever having little lover's trysts and then, you know, mayhem ensues, essentially. But, you know, uh, from what I can gather, this is a very simplified, boiled-down version. It is a uh, kind of an STD ghost (laughs) or or demon, okay, something like that, and that you have to pass this along to someone else so that it can stop menacing you. Um, Interesting. It's basically the essential premise. So uh, it follows, uh, obviously, a very uh, no yeah. nail on the head title. Sure. It follows you. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, interesting. But, but I'm kind of interested in this. Uh, like I said, I, I really don't give two shoots about uh, the uh, horror genre, but um, this might make a difference for me. Yeah, that sounds quite interesting. I'm not a huge fan of the horror genre either, but not because I don't appreciate it, mostly because I'm a scaredy cat. Uh, so <laughs> I tend to stay away from it. But, uh, man, that, that premise sounds pretty intriguing, though. All right, Brendan, what do you got at number five? All right, so my number five, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's a movie called When Marnie Was There. Uh, and long story short, this is the next film from Studio Ghibli. Uh, and now this is probably their last film. Uh, as many people may know if you've watched our Top Ten show, uh, my number one film for 2014 was The Tale of the Princess Kaguya, uh, which was actually meant to be looked upon as possibly Studio Ghibli's last film. But they've got another one coming out, and this one might be their last film now with the retirement of Miyazaki, now Asio Taka, uh, or uh, Takahata, actually. Right? Um, this one's directed by the same person that uh, directed, um, what was it called, uh, The Secret World of Arietti. And I thought that was a pretty good film. 
But anything Studio Ghibli does, it's like I'm I'm on board. I'm on board. I got it. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I didn't have the tale of the Princess Kaguya as high, uh, but I love that and The Wind Rises, which we got in February of last year. And like you're saying, I mean, everything they put out is amazing. So I'm with you. I'm I'm definitely going to be excited for that one, even though I had never really heard of it until you just said it. So that sounds pretty interesting to me. Uh, I just found out about it not too long ago myself. Very cool. For my number five, I'm going with David O. Russell, and I'm going with his film Joy with the one and only Jennifer Lawrence. And uh, I've really loved what David O. Russell has done with turning his career around, going back to 2010 with The Fighter and Silver Lang's Playbook. And I know American Hustle was a little bit more polarizing uh, than the other two, but I really enjoyed American Hustle quite a bit. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this. This also stars Bradley Cooper. Yeah. And are, also- they, are they the new, sorry to cut you off, are they the new Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks? <laughs> I guess so. Because <laughs> uh, they even have a film coming out here in the spring called Serena which hasn't got much publicity and I've heard bad things about it but they're in that film together as well so I mean who knows Uh, but I I really look forward to this with David Russell also Robert De Niro is joining them uh, once again from Several Linings Playbook so uh, I really look forward to this David Russell hasn't done me wrong since 2010 so I'm very very excited for this one coming out in the fall cool I will make a note All right, Paul what do you got at number four Well, my number four is a film that Brian brought to my attention. It's Chappie. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, coming from Brian's now new favorite director. And it. (laughs) I think I may have just taken something from his list. Um, No, not at all. No. But, uh, yeah, it definitely looks like. Uh, if I were to boil it down to just a pithy sentence, uh, I guess I would say a smarter short circuit. Um, maybe, maybe sort of American Sniper meets short circuit. I don't know. It's like it's a military. <laughs> wow, military wow, that's a matchup. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now I don't yeah. know. I don't know much about this project, so don't spoil it for me. I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying to go, stay away you from it. You might hear a little bit more about it in a few minutes. Okay. Because yeah, <laughs> I'm not actually going on about yeah. it. Right? Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that, Paul. You're kinder to me than I am to you. <laughs> uh, I love that first trailer, though. The first one hooked me. That's all I need to see. I'm yeah. going to be there on March 6th when it comes out. All right, Brian, what do you got at number four? At number four, I have Jurassic World. Uh, very nice. Yeah. Um, it's at, only at number four, not any higher, because I'm not expecting it to be great, if you know, <laughs> if you're familiar with the sequels. I only expect it to be better than Jurassic 3, <laughs> or whatever sure. that one was called. Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember. But uh, it, it, it looks like it has the potential of capturing a little of that magic of the first film, and that's what I'm excited sure. about. Yeah, it just seems very sort of camp nineties esque. It, it seems thing. like they are a little uh, knowledgeable and uh, about how ridiculous this all is, and maybe a little bit more tongue in cheek and not taking it as seriously as yeah. the sequels that preceded yeah. it did. Yeah, definitely. yeah. I think it um, looks. I think it looks pretty interesting. I'm excited for it, and I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping so much that it's better than two and three because I didn't enjoy those as much. But I like Colin Trevorrow, the director here. I loved his film Safety Not Guaranteed. I know this is yeah. a bigger film with a way bigger budget, but I like him. I like the cast. I, I, Chris Pratt is on fire right now, so yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for sure. Yeah, the Jurassic World trailer hasn't quite sold me yet, but uh, 
I'm excited for it just for the sake of returning to this world. And like you guys, I yeah, this, exactly. This, the, the, the sequels. Um, in fact, heck, I even I thought Jurassic Park three was better than The Lost World. I think The Lost World is Spielberg's worst movie ever. I think that <laughs> movie is trash. Yeah, it is bad. I agree. Uh, Gosh, I, I've never been yeah. more I've never been more bored during a monster movie than I was during that film. Uh, but I, I'm hoping because I also like Colin Trevorrow, like you, uh, JD. All right, Brendan, what do you got at number four? My number four um, is one that's probably going to be higher on at least one person's list here. But my number four is Avengers: Age of Ultron. Uh, and you know, yeah. er, with the, with the way Marvel has been going, I think that they've been. That, They've been getting better and better too. I think I think like with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I thought Guardians of the Galaxy and even Captain America: The Winter Soldier were probably the two best films in that universe so far. Uh, they're, they're, they just keep steadily increasing. They have this plan, and I love what Kevin Feige understands about this whole universe and the way it's unfolding. And on top of that, you got all these great people back together again, like we have in the first Avengers. All these great actors and great characters. And then you also have the great James Spader doing this new villain of Ultron. I'm just Yep, I'm I'm, yeah, I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. exactly. I, and I also can't wait to see Hulkbuster get into the action. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's going to be very interesting. I, Joss Whedon is the perfect fanboy director. I mean, he's he's he such a he's, he's such a goofy Absolutely. fanboy, but yeah. he knows how, he knows how to please the fanboys because he is one. And sometimes that's the best. Sometimes yeah. you need someone like that to be able to please them and make a yeah. very fun and entertaining. Otherwise, movie. you get uh, Godzilla uh, or uh, <laughs> or not Godzilla, but uh, the Hulk. Um, with well, which one? With what's his Hulk name? Hulk? Angley? The Hulk. Okay. Yeah, with Angley. Angley Otherwise, yeah, you get yeah. that. Who is not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a mess. That was. That a was. Mess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, very good stuff, Brendan. I'm going to save my thoughts. Uh, at number four for me, I'm going to one that I just recently found out as I was writing my post for the website and transitioning into 2015 because I hadn't done much research for the year yet. But once I heard of this project, man. Did I get excited? Uh, for my number four, I'm going with Alejandro Inarritu's The Revenant, which is actually shooting right now in good old Canada uh, as we speak, which I'm pretty excited about. So this is not only Alejandro Inarritu coming off of Birdman, a film that I absolutely loved, but this is a film that stars Leonardo DiCaprio and my boy Tom Hardy. Uh, that alone is enough to sell the movie. And then if you go and you read the synopsis of it, it sounds even more intriguing about a guy who was left uh, in the woods by himself after being mauled from a bear from his friends, and now he's seeking revenge. You got no, a gritty Leo chasing Tom Hardy to kill him. Hell yeah. And on yeah. top of that, we have the same uh, cinematographer from Birdman. And Brendan kind of brought this to my light, uh, I guess, earlier this week, that they're just shooting off of natural light. So they're not nice. even – yeah, which is going to be really intriguing. So uh, I am super, super excited for this movie. It, it's I can't wait. I can't wait. I, maybe my I'm hyping myself up too much for this. No. Well, when but was I'm, the last time Tom Hardy did not – deliver so exactly exactly <laughs> exactly my, exactly. my uh, favorite thing about this film is i know nothing about it exactly i don't want much. to know any more than <laughs> yeah. what i know now yeah outside exactly. of christopher nolan of course. Yeah. yeah very good stuff all right paul what do you got at number three well my number three is one that popped up in the last round there's jurassic world all yeah. right oh, nice. i'm looking forward to it i'm hoping it's kind of campy although as i actually said in one of our episodes before when we covered some of these trailers was that the whole thing of oh, Jurassic World is now open and no, no, it isn't. It would never open. What the hell's going on? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know. The, most, the most we can hope for is a Goldblum cameo. That's all I want. That's yeah, all I that want. Yeah. Has to be a Goldblum <laughs> yeah, cameo. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. 
All right, Brian, what do you got at number four or three? Three. three. Um, once again, just covered on. Uh, I have Avengers at three, Age of Ultron. So, yep, <laughs> I have nothing to add. <laughs> Brendan said it all. You all guys right. covered it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Brendan, let's move on then. What do you got at number three? Well, the the only thing I'm going to say about I just want to make a comment about Jurassic World. If if Jeff if Jeff Goldblum does make a cameo, I really hope it's like after all the chaos ensues, it shows someone watching from their TV, and he just says something like. I told you so. Chaos theory. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I'm going to say I'm going to be very quick about this because number three is also the Revenant that you just talked about, JD, um, for all the same reasons you talked about. I think uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Indrito is on a roll right now. I think what he, what he's been doing as far as from a filmmaking standpoint is just awesome. The cast here is just incredible. I think it's a cool story. I, from what I heard, I think it might even be a true story. I, I at least from what I thought. That'd be I intriguing. Read, yeah, that's interesting. I, I think it is a true story. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, at least based on some of the research I may have done, but I'm not trying to do as much research. I want to go into it kind of kind of cold. But it just looks awesome. I and you, I don't have to spend too much time on it since you already talked about it. But the Revenant, my number three. Yep, absolutely. Cannot wait for that one. Uh, for my number three, I'm going to a director that we've talked about before on the show, Brennan. I know you and I are both huge fans of him. Uh, for my number three, I'm going with Brad Bird and Tomorrowland. That's not mine. What's not yours? The pen. I've never... <laughs> what if there was a place... A secret place where nothing was impossible. No way. A miraculous place where you could actually change the world. Man, this looks freaking amazing. I love Brad Bird. I think he's created some amazing projects over the last 15 years or so. And I think when you add in this kind of fantasy element that the trailers, I think, really hooked me on big time. I think the cast looks amazing as well. And I fully trust Brad Bird's vision with this. And not knowing much or anything about the story, I don't care. I just want to be in this world, and I can't wait to experience it. Uh, Tomorrowland, I'm super, super hyped up for. That is my number three. Yeah, I always appreciate Clooney too. Yeah, so. I, I'm looking yeah. forward to this. It's another one where I heard the story and I have no idea where they're going to go with it. So I'm yeah. interested to see how it peters out. Yep, it looks like it's definitely in the right hands. That's for sure. It looks pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, Paul, what do you got at number two? All right, well, my number two will actually be a surprise to most people that know me because I don't like Adam Sandler. Uh, but it's a film called Pixels. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if most people will know about it, but basically these aliens come to earth and attack but all they've seen from earth is the old arcade game so they attack as enemies from the old arcade game and so the president brings in his best friend from childhood who was a video game champion and some of his friends so it's uh <laughs> now if, it's completely ridiculous i know we are in the uh, podcast medium but <laughs> People need to see the main photo, the one that Paul <laughs> showed me, of the four 
walking in a line, and it seriously looks like a face swap of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it is. I have to look it up. I have to look it up. It's you got Dinklage as Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Michelle yeah. uh, Monaghan, uh, Peter Dinklage, and Josh Gad. Yes, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the cast looks intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's directed by Chris Columbus, who I haven't loved a ton of his stuff as recent, but he's done no. he's he's done some great work in the past, though, so you just never know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I a mid to late '80s Chris Columbus guy. Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. I, I think it could be kind of like a, come come from behind and shock a lot of people and be done well, yeah. but it could also fall flat. Yeah, so I, could go so either I, way. Yeah, yeah, and I'm kind of looking forward to either way because either way, I think we'll cover it and it'll either be something that we love or something we can rip into. Exactly, quite fun. exactly. Yeah, uh, very good stuff. All right, Brian, what do you got at number two? Uh, well, I'm going to bring it back uh, to Tom Hardy on number two, if that doesn't tell you. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Nice. Um, yes. Yeah. I um, I am super pumped for this. I have probably watched the trailer a dozen times. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's, a, that's on the low side of that estimate. Um, but I am just super excited. I I know what I need to know, like we've said. I, I don't want to learn too much more about it. Uh, I just, all I need to know is Mad Max and Tom Hardy yeah. equals. <laughs> that's the equation that's going to be working for me. Yeah, it looks really great, and I think one of my favorite things about the trailer is you can see the practical effects. Like you can see like real people doing those stunts, and I think that's one of the huge selling points for me. And as you mentioned, Tom Hardy, I'll see anything that dude's in. So yeah, yeah the trailer. Uh, and really they fun. have the original director, which is awesome. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. George, George Miller. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Who also, who also directed most recently Babe in the City, which is always a great film. For those I think that's a, I think that's a great family film. I think it's very. <laughs> oh no, you're forgetting about Happy Feet and oh, okay. uh, Happy yeah, yeah. Feet too. Oh, <laughs> I like Happy Feet. Yeah. Good point. Forgot about Happy Feet. Yeah. 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 That's also a good movie. That's like such that a too. weird <laughs> juxtaposition going from Happy Feet two to Mad Max Fury Road. It's a departure, uh, <laughs> to say the least. But man, you're, you're absolutely right about the way like they blend the stunt work in here too. Because I just saw this trailer again on the big screen, and that really sold it even more. Oh yeah, seeing it on a big yes. screen like yes. that. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brendan, what do you got at number two? So my number two is. Nice. Oh, Indiana nice. Jones. <laughs> Indiana Jones, yeah. <laughs> so, wait, Indiana Jones? They're making another Indiana Jones, right? <laughs> yeah, and it stars, it stars Shia LaBeouf. Harrison Ford's not in Okay. Bed. Yeah, oh, uh, God. Has <laughs> been an awakening. Have you felt it? Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, or just Star Wars The Force Awakens. I think they're dropping the Episode 7 from the title, but it will be in the opening scroll, mm-hmm. apparently. Uh, but yeah, I'm I, I'm so excited to see what J.J. Abrams brings, because kind of like what we talked about with um, you know, like Joss Whedon being a fan making these movies, 
J.J. Abrams is a huge Star Wars fan. We saw that with his Star Trek films, which felt more Star Wars-esque anyway. So I think he's going to be able to give something that we want to see. And I'm excited about that. I think it's also very interesting that we don't know much about this, and I want to keep yeah. it that way. Yeah. Um, and apparently they also debunked all of George Lucas's original ideas, which probably is yeah, a good I saw, idea. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> although from what I did hear, and this is, the, this is the only reason why I have this at number two instead of number one, apparently in George Lucas's original ideas, uh, Han Solo, Luke, and Leia were even more secondary characters, and now apparently they're being rewritten to be more lead characters apparently from what i've been hearing and that's something i actually don't want to see so i really hope that that's just a rumor and that's uh not this new cast i want i want it to focus on these people with the star wars sense of fun but with new people and have these old characters support that sense of fun that's really what i want to see but i think we're still getting that but that trailer just blew me away it took me back to what i love about the original trilogy it felt it, it had the grittiness of the Empire Strikes Back and even a bit of Return of the Jedi, but it still had that sense of fun and playfulness that the first film, uh, A New Hope now is what it's called, it, it still had that aesthetic. And I feel like it's going to just feel so ever-encompassing as a great Star Wars adventure. I it, it, This is going to break records. I cannot wait to see what it does. Well, I guess I'll bounce off of that because Star Wars The Force Awakens is also my number two. And I guess I don't have a ton to add on to other than just uh, I look forward to what J.J. Abrams is going to bring. Like you were talking about, I love the the practical effects that is used here with the CGI. It looks really amazing. And uh, I hope you're right, Brendan, in the sense that they bring back the original cast, they have their little moments, and then we're able to kind of move on with these new characters, which I'm pretty intrigued to see. I really love this cast. So the last thing that I'll say about it, which is even more awesome, and this is sort of kind of recent in the last couple of weeks, is that they've added all the cast from The Raid 2. Uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I'm in>. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh- <laughs> I, I was uh, just going to add, uh, has Vegas released the over-under on lens flares for this film? I, that's, that's all I, I think it's 37. 37 fr- lens flares. But that's okay. the first I, hour, I'll take I the think. over. I'll take the over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, one other thing. If you want to see just how much of a good thing it is that George Lucas isn't involved, look online for the fan-made trailer as if yes, George Lucas it's was. amazing. It's there so good. Really oh, it's so good. So, the Lego trailer yeah. is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Paul, what do you yeah. got at number one? Alright, number one, it's already been mentioned, and it is Avengers Age of Ultron. I'm gonna show you something beautiful. Everyone screaming for mercy. You want to protect the world, but you don't want it to change. You're all puppets. Tangled in strings. Strings. I don't know exactly what they did. Like they must have sold their soul to the devil or something. But every single one of these Marvel films has just been kicking it. And as yeah. the second Avengers, 
like seeing Ultron, seeing all of these characters that have now been fully established as a team, and you can actually now move into like the really gritty story. Actually, if you follow it at all, um, like it's looks like it's going to be <laughs> awesome. I mean, I I don't think I'm going to have too many bad things to say about it when we end up seeing it, and I'm looking forward to anything that'll happen. I've seen a few rumors that people saying like, oh, someone from the Avengers is going to die in this film. And then I've seen people online saying, oh, it's got to be Iron Man. It's got to be Captain America. And my response to that is, do you have no idea that there's a film called Captain America Civil War coming out? Yeah. That, that starts Iron <laughs> All Man the characters are supposed to come back in future films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I guess I'll just bounce off that too because it's also my number one. And for all the reasons that you guys have said, this just looks like it's going to be fun. It's going to be dark and grittier than I think we've seen with some of the other ones, but it's going to be a lot of fun at the same time. James Spader is perfect. The cast just looks amazing. The artwork for this film is amazing. I just can't wait for early May to get here. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> I mean, Marvel can do no wrong. So Yeah, exa- exactly. Right all right, Brian, what do you got at number one, man? Number one, it has been mentioned uh, early on, but... Um, it's chappy. I brought you into this world. A machine that can think and feel. For me, it, this is, it's mostly the story, but also uh, this director, Neil Bloomkamp, is vastly becoming one of my favorite young directors. Uh, he, he's not put a lot out there, but when he does, it's on point, it's accurate. Um, District 9, I mean, he, he presents a great story, and there is this allegory to it, but it's not hitting you over the head with it. Uh, like District Nine is obviously a parallel or an allegory for apartheid, and you know it's it, for him being from South Africa. I, I know that movie was an incredibly personal story for him, and uh, Elysium, which I felt was a little undervalued, but I I really enjoyed that film, and uh, just I'm looking forward to more of the same. He he presents these honest worlds uh, where you really feel like that's where we could be heading in society. Yeah. And this film raising the question of what is life? Um, it, do we value life because if it's just a program and it's grow to think, or is it just something that's a mushy brain? You know, yeah. uh, what do we consider life, and how do we value that? 
No, I, I'm pretty intrigued by it too. I know there's been some criticisms of that first trailer online, and I just I don't care. I don't care how much it resembles Short Circuit or if these themes have been tackled before. It looks fun to me for all the reasons you're saying. And it sounds like you liked Elysium a lot more than I did, but I really love District Nine, and I still appreciate a lot about Elysium, especially from a visual spectacle. Oh no, it was, was awesome. far from a perfect film, but I did yeah. enjoy, you know, yeah, what yeah, was there. And I, I still think Blomkamp has a lot to offer as a director. And, and this first trailer, I think, has shown really a, a huge potential for Chappie. I'm pretty excited for it as well. Very good stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I guessing many ways. I mean, I'm very intrigued by it because I, I do like the story. I and mean, I like the way it kind of – I like some movies that – or sci-fi movies that deal with you know robotics like that. It kind of raises the question about what it means to be human. That's why I think – Spielberg's AI, artificial intelligence, is one of my favorite movies. I think that's very underrated. Uh, I I do think that I'm more I'm worried though because mainly because of Elysium, and I I actually really really did not like that film because I thought it was hitting you over the head so much, and I'm really worried that this film is gonna that Chappie's gonna feel very black and white like that film was, and I really hope it doesn't. Um, but District Nine, like you guys mentioned. What a film that that was! That would that that changed sci-fi. I think for the past couple of years, I think that's going to re- that that's going to be remembered as a sci-fi classic. Yeah. All right, Brendan, what do you got at number one? Number one, I'll keep it kind of brief because JD, you talked about it already. But my number one is Brad Bird's Tomorrowland. I think Brad Bird is the I think at very least one of the very best directors working today. You look at his track record; the guy has never made. Uh, not he's never even not even made a good film. Every single one of his movies has been great. You got the Iron Giant, you got The Incredibles, you got Ratatouille, and then you got Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, which is arguably the best of the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, I, don't I agree. I don't, I don't I know if it's quite my favorite, but it was the one I had the most fun watching. And the way he films action scenes, it's almost like functions like visual poetry. Uh, but this idea for Tomorrowland, it's just like, I feel like this is a sci-fi film that I've been waiting for. And it looks like it captures this sense of like uh, mystical and magic that a cart, like a, like an animated Disney or Pixar film kind of has just in a live action setting. And it just looks so magical. Um, my only worry is Damon Lindelof is involved as writer and also producer. And normally he's kind of been a bit of a detractor when it comes to what he does to movies. I love what he does to TV, but with movies, he's been a bit of a, he's been a bit flaky for me. But having said that, I do really think, uh, this movie just looks so intriguing, uh, and I cannot wait to you know experience it. I think it's going to be an experience, and I love the idea of an original idea for a sci-fi film. Yeah, I agree for for all the reasons we talked about earlier. It just it looks so amazing. All right, well that'll do it for our top five most anticipated films. You can let us know how your picks stack up against ours by emailing us at incessionfilm at gmail dot com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Twitter or on our website at incessionfilm dot com. All right, before we move on real fast, let's talk about this week's poll. It's real bad, okay? I don't like those numbers at all. Just one poll? Those things aren't scientific. Yes, they are. All this is is science. This is math. And for our poll question this week, we just simply asked, what are you most anticipating in 2015? Uh, The answers that we threw out there was uh, the Avengers Age of Ultron, Star Wars, Mad Max Fairy Road, Tomorrowland, Spectre, The Hateful Eight, Ant-Man, or Jurassic World. And winning this poll, it's not surprising one and two. I was a little surprised with kind of the gap between one and two, but winning the poll was uh, Avengers Age of Ultron with 39% of the vote. And second place was Star Wars at 21% of the vote. And in third place, 
Mad Max Fury Road. A lot of people looking forward to that with mm-hmm. 18% of the vote. And we also had a write-in, and I can only imagine who this was from. We had a write-in for Fifty Shades of Grey. And I know for a fact that that was my wonderful wife. So thanks, Brandy, for that vote. I, I was going to say Tim, but I thought it was going to be Tim. But. <laughs> or it could be Tim for first-time watchers. Uh, anyway, thanks, everyone, that voted on the poll this week. We had a lot of great responses on social media and through email and stuff. And I wish we had time to go into all of them, but unfortunately, we don't have the time. But anyway, thanks, everyone, that voted on the poll this week. All right, well, coming up next, we're going to be reviewing A Most Violent Year starring Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. Uh, I will say up front, um, this will be a discussion between you guys because I have not had the chance to see this movie yet. So I'll let you guys run it, but stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey guys, I just want to pause for a quick second to say a huge thank you to those that are supporting the show. Uh, If you want to help support us, there's a couple ways that you can do that. Uh, One, you can just click on our bonus content tab on our website to hear our fun bonus content for just a small donation of 99 cents. They actually are free to listen to, but we do encourage and appreciate that small donation. And... As I mentioned earlier in the show, we are going to have bonus content this week. We're going to be doing Nerdin' Out with DJ Valentine Volume 3. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. Uh, you can also check out the Incession Film Store, get a fun t-shirt or a mug or something uh, something fun with our logo on it. Uh, if you see an item there that you would like to have with our logo on it and it's not there, just hit us up, Facebook, Twitter, email us. We'd love to make that happen for you. And as you heard up at the top of the show, we are sponsored by Audible.com. I'm very, very busy with my schedule. Audiobooks are the way that I love to read books. Audible.com is a great resource to make that happen. And if you go to audibletrial.com slash film, you'll get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial just for signing up. Uh, and it's a great, great resource, great tool. Definitely go and check that out. And it helps support us. So no matter how you support us, even a subscription to iTunes, or for those of you that voted for us for the GeekCast Radio Awards, a uh, huge thank you. That's a, a great way to support us. And no matter what you do, we really, really do appreciate everyone's support. Hi, this is Greg. This is Chuck. And this is Dan. And we are Talking in Circles. Because the world needs another podcast, we are here as GeekCast Radio's newest edition. And as the title says, each week we get lost in conversation about a wide range of topics, including movies, comics, games, art, TV, and even occasionally sports. We play games and discuss pivotal topics like who would win in a fight, the Kool-Aid Man or Tony the Tiger, and examine the hot-button issues of the world of geekdom. 
we keep things fresh by taking timeless topics in new directions. We are simply three friends having a fun time talking about life's most fascinating foibles. Stay connected with us every Tuesday on iTunes or at geekcastradio.com. You're listening to the Incession Film Podcast. This is episode 101. That was very disrespectful, JD. And now I'm going to have to make it my mission in life to ruin you. (laughs) This is probably one you're going to regret. Excuse me? My husband's an honorable man. We're not who you think we are. I think I know your father. Good for you. My husband is not my father. Not even close. So if I were you, I would start treating us with a little more respect or I guarantee he will make it his mission in life to ruin you. Very disrespectful. All right, well, let's get into it. A Most Violent Year is written and directed by J.C. Chandler and stars Oscar Isaac, Jessica Chastain, David Oyelowo, uh, and a few other people that we'll get into as well. Um, As I mentioned, everyone, I did not get a chance to see this movie, so you guys will be holding down the fort on this one. So, uh, Paul and Brian, we'll toss to you guys first. What did you guys think of A Most Violent Year? Brian, do you want to? Uh, I don't know if they were going for irony in the title. Um, (laughs) This was not a most violent movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. It's very true. This was a most talking movie. Uh, But uh, that kind of uh, foreshadows my review. Um, I I loved many of the scenes in here. Uh, I think Oscar Isaac uh, drives the whole story as it as he should. Jessica Chastain is one of these actresses that I wish she would get bigger parts in, not just because she's okay to look at, but I think yeah, she's a very talented sure. actress, and she's just always relegated to these bit parts, minus Zero Dark Thirty, of course. But uh, I thought she was fantastic. Um, for me, for this time period, um, for this Goodfellas look, it was all of the scenes that are in between the violence of Goodfellas comprised this whole film. Um, it, it, I, I didn't care about this real estate deal and um, just these federal indictments. So essentially, like this, the story just did not grab me as much as I was hoping it would. Paul, well, fair enough. <laughs> I'll preface this by saying that uh, since this felt very much like your sort of eighties crime film, obviously it's set in the eighties, but it also felt like the films coming out of those years as well. And those are not my favorite style of films. So even with that being said, I thought, again, visually for me is a big draw. I thought it was a very good looking film, although I don't know if it was uh, where I was watching it, but some of the scenes seemed so really tell what was going on at times. And there was a scene with subtitles where there was clearly that lighting White, you know, sunlight, and you could not even read the subtitles. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. When, yeah, I, I was just that blew my mind how that passed <laughs> editing. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh. Uh, and and um, like the acting in it again like, was really good. I thought Jessica 
very good job of sees to the wife that will not give up like, no matter what, even if the husband And once again, that is a very cliched role, though. Um, well, yes, yeah. but I mean, you, you can't really do much other than just try and make what you've been given exactly. the best yeah. acting job yeah. you can. <laughs> and, but, yeah, overall, this film, I think the pacing was it for me. I think that it was just a little too slow and never pace. really <laughs> kicked yeah. off into second gear. It was just kind of a drag throughout it. And uh, and as Brian did say, I, I think there were only maybe three actual violent acts of any kind in the film. So <laughs> sure. I'm not 100% you sure. You call getting punched were. in the face a violent act or getting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not 100% sure what they were trying to get at unless maybe they're thinking emotionally violent or something. Yeah. But uh, even with that, some of those seem to seem a little muted to me. So. Um, yeah, I'm interested to hear what uh, you have to say about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm in a little bit of a different boat than you guys. I loved this film, absolutely loved it. And you're right that it is a little bit of a slow burn, but it also was filled with just amazing performances and incredible dialogue that I loved. And I know, Brian, you didn't love the story. I, I really dug the story quite a bit, and I'll get into that here in a second. But uh, you're also talking about how it's ironic that it's called The Most Violent Year. We don't see a ton of violence in it, but I think there's a lot of commentary on violence and as well as capitalism and the American dream. I think it's a really smart film. It felt very mature, very thought-provoking in a lot of ways, and the ending does get violent violent and pretty brutal and i'm sure we'll get into that here in a second but i i loved the cinematography i thought it was so gorgeously shot it just soaks up the new york scenery incredibly well i love the mood and aesthetic that's created here and to go along with that i love the score by alex ebert as well i think it really grounds us in that 1980 vibe that we were feeling early 1980 vibe Uh, and it has a lot of this 1970s filmmaking you guys were touching on goodfellas it really felt in a lot of ways more like the godfather to me in a lot of ways, but this really isn't a gangster movie, which is kind of ironic because it's kind of touching on those ideas, but it's really more anti-gangster, and I think that's what I loved about the film, and even though it's kind of slow-paced, to me, it was still intense, and I love how the tension builds. It was always looming. There's this investigation, as you guys were talking about, um, and there's kind of crime and corruption all around them, but ultimately, it's not about that, and I think that's what I love about this film, and what I love about the Oscar Isaac character because in so many crime films, it's so easy to fill it with these cliched, you know, gangster kind of roles. But with Oscar Isaac's character, he's very much what I love about the movie Locke in the sense that he's this honorable guy trying to do the right thing with all this corruption around him. And to me, that was refreshing. And I love the way that it was told for me. I loved it. I was really intrigued by it. I have to say, with the uh, with the a lot of white that he was wearing, he kind of came off to me as like the anti Scarface type thing. Like he's always yeah. doing the right thing, and no matter what, rather than being corrupted by the world he's in. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, we can't paint him as a saint either because he's not. They are. He's they are saying. delaying yeah. the uh, you know the search warrant by. Throwing out the files, <laughs> yes. the boxes. So sure. he's not. Always to doing to be the fair, though, thing. that was more Chastain's character, and he was kind of going along with yeah. it. I, he's not perfect. I agree, but 
it wasn't necessarily him running with that idea. And I love Chastain in that moment, too, when the cops are coming into the house and she's talking with David Oyelowo's character about the investigation and she just kind of verbally slaps him across the face. I thought it was amazing. As, as cliched as that character is written, uh, like we were talking about with Sienna Miller and American Sniper, she just elevates that character with her performance, I thought. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. Yeah, very, very well put perform that role. <laughs> yeah. Well, and another thing I love about Oscar Isaac, you know, he kind of, to me in so many different ways, I feel like he was channeling his inner Al Pacino from the seventies and eighties, uh, especially when you look at the scene where he's talking to these new employees that he has. If that doesn't feel like Pacino from the seventies, I don't know what does, but uh, I thought he was amazing in this film. And I think it's amazing how the film touches on this idea of honor amongst this chaos and corruption around him. And I think it raises some really interesting questions on anti-violence and being legitimate. And does that mean you get to keep your humanity? And I feel like at the core, that was Oscar Isaac's character. There was so much around him that he saw as just destroying the city and destroying business in general. And it's kind of funny in some ways that he's in the the heating oil business. That's not really an industry that film talks about a whole lot. And I thought it's kind of funny when you're talking about this as a quote unquote crime kind of drama. But uh, I, I love that kind of exploration of that character. And uh, I think a scene that really uh, defines it well for me is when he's at this dinner round table of a bunch of other leaders within his yeah. industry and everyone at that table is aware of it. It feels like something from like the Godfather when the mob leaders will get together and have those kind of same kind of conversations. And he just, he kind of erupts in that meeting and says, you guys need to stop it. This is out of control. It's stupid. It's hurting our industry and you guys need to turn your act around. And he just drops the mic and walks away. And I love that about his character. To me, it's so refreshing because we don't see very many characters in film like this. Uh, and so for me, I loved it. I loved where the story went with that. As, as slow as it was, the conversations were so interesting to me. Definitely some interesting conversations. And that scene was my favorite scene in the entire film. It was uh, like one of the drawbacks I had I think overall was actually just the fact that the guy that he ends up finding that is stealing all this oil is just a random yeah. guy stealing it. Like there's no connection whatsoever to anyone else in the film. And it just kind of comes out of nowhere. I think that, yeah, well, he does kind of make a connection though. Cause even though it was a random guy, he ended up selling it to a competitor of his, which he ends up bringing up. And again, I love the way that he handles that because in your stereotypical crime drama, when he found out that it was a competitor or someone that he knows from there, it's going to get ugly and it's going to get quote unquote, a most violent year, if you will. <laughs> and it doesn't like he, 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 he acts completely different. And to me, I just, I love the way that character is in a lot of ways it's affable even though he's not a perfect character at all not, yeah, not even it, close. i mean it it's one of those things where i think leading up to it is great coming away from finding out is great but it is just kind of a macguffin thing of uh, oh we need someone to have been stealing but it shouldn't be one of his competitors oh they're, they're the guy that did it <laughs> i think that's my what biggest you, well, problem with the film was that bit uh, what do you guys think about that kind of chase sequence that kind of leads to that information? Because that's when things really started to pick up from an action standpoint. And even though the way that it's shot is a little untraditional and the way that it goes from this car chase to kind of on this foot action 
uh, sequence. Uh, what did you? How did you guys I, think that was? I happening? loved ninety nine percent of it, and that <laughs> may bury what where that other one percent lies. But I I loved that whole whole entire sequence. Um, we've seen that kind of uh, jump on the subway kind of scene before. Uh, gonna follow him through the cars and all that kind of stuff. But it was a little more yeah, subtle. Sure. It wasn't like chasing and you know until the very end where he jumps on him and tackles him onto the platform. And I know what you're saying where he tries to take the high road, and that is obviously what he does here. But I thought it was a wonderful missed opportunity for him to compromise his integrity and to maybe not kill him, but to really put the fear of God in it. I don't know. See, uh, I, I, think, I think it bailed out at the very last minute for me. So I think that's what I loved about it, though, is it kept to what that character was doing the whole time. And he, you're right. He had the opportunity for his integrity to be uh, compromised in that moment. And to a degree, it kind of is because he does beat the yeah. shit out of the guy. He pissed whips but crap at this, him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then it gets to a moment where he realizes what he's doing and he basically says to himself, I'm not going that route. And he kind of pulls back. And I love how the camera cuts to Oscar Isaac's face and you see that moment. And then as they walk away, they have that kind of exchange, which to me was interesting because I think in that moment – there was like sort of a weird respect there that I thought was intriguing. And I think it said a lot about the Oscar Isaac character. It did. It's an interesting choice, but for me, it's not the most entertaining choice or captivating choice. And and it could have led to at the end of the film, like he's got what he wanted, but he did have to break his code once. And so it kind of leaves you on edge. It's like, what's he going to do down the road? And, And for me, where, where the pacing was so slow, uh, and which I'm I'm fine with in a film if the pacing is slow if I'm wrapped into that story which I've already said yeah, it wasn't. But uh, for me to kind of get excited over oh something big is going to happen here and then it just petered out. Interesting. I, I can understand the argument. I can understand what you're saying. I guess for me I liked it because if they would have went the other route. For me, I think that would have been more cliche than the way it plays out. And two, I think it would have done a disservice to the character. Even though I understand what you're saying about compromising his integrity, making it more interesting dramatically, I guess. But I felt like it would have been forcing that drama. At least for me, I loved how it played out. And even though it is slow, as you guys were touching on, I felt like that tension was always there. I mean, there's a couple of scenes with... Uh, just kind of some small supporting characters. There, like for example, there's there's one salesman that is on Oscar Isaac's team, and he goes to this house to kind of sell, you know, the business. And that whole time, you're like on. I, for me anyway, I was kind of on the edge of my seat, partly because of the way it's shot, and partly because of the score. And then the way that that scene ends up uh, culminating. I loved, and it was like that throughout the entire movie for me. So as we go from scene to scene, I wasn't exactly sure what was going to happen, even though you guys are right, it's not hugely violent. But for me, I didn't know that from scene to scene. I wasn't exactly sure how it was going to play out. And for me, that was a big win from our directing standpoint. I can understand that take as well. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I I see the argument there. uh, I do definitely see the argument. But for me, it, it just... It felt like one giant tease. Uh, it, it was kind of like it knew that it would feel like an 80s sort of crime uh, film, but didn't want to go that route. Mm-hmm. So it was always on the edge and then just pulling back. See, I would have liked to have seen much more with the wife and kids. I think you see the kids like twice. 
or something, yeah, and to yeah, to get yeah, that yeah. relationship maybe with him as being a father, and uh, maybe to see more good moments with the wife and not just condescending or threatening, you know, uh, to see more of, like, you get very brief glimpses into, yeah, they kind of have something here, um, but it's more of a business relationship than a marriage. It is, yeah. yeah. So I would have liked to have seen a little more of the family side of things, and that might have uh, helped me care a little bit more about the narrative. And I can see that, because I think some of the best scenes is when Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain are just conversing, and sometimes it gets really heated and and there was one moment in the kitchen where it almost got violent, if you will. And I think that kind of adds on to that tension that I loved because I wasn't sure how that was going to play out. But uh, I, I can certainly understand that argument. But uh, all right, well, let's move on to final thoughts. And what grade would you guys give a most violent year? Uh, well, um, I think I said uh, most of my piece here. Uh, I enjoyed the performances, uh, Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain and even Albert Brooks I loved in this movie. Um, I just want to see more from Oscar Isaac. I, I think he's a really, uh, yeah, really rare talent. Really rare yeah. talent. Uh, Inside Llewyn Davis yeah. was just phenomenal. Incredible. And uh, yeah. so that's what held it together for me. Um, if anything, were the performances, and there were some very great uh, scenes where that had some very nice tension to it, uh, where you could feel that. But it, like I said, it didn't just pull me in. Uh, and then from that standpoint, there's only so far I can go with it, you know? And, uh, so I guess I would give it a, uh, by your, uh, grading system, I would give it a C. All right. What about you, Paul? All right. Well, I think, again, we've gone over most of the stuff that I would talk about. Um, I don't know how much more we can go into without saying, well, if I were writing this film, then I would put this scene in. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, the performances, as we said, were very good. I thought Jessica Chastain was great. It was almost like in this film, I really liked the Jessica Chastain performance. And in obviously in American Sniper, I really liked the Bradley Cooper performance. It was almost as if that my favorite roles swapped going from one film to the other. Um, sure. But I, I did think that it really dragged. As I said, I didn't like the fact that the guy that stole the oil was just some random guy who was just doing it. Uh, and yeah. we didn't go into any like odd thing, but the very first thing when they steal the truck from the guy and then drive off, I I couldn't help noticing they parked two cars in front of the truck, oh, yeah, stole the, the truck, and then years, drove yeah. straight yeah. on yeah. with no cars in front of it. <laughs> so I, every now and again, I see a little odd thing like that that kind of pulled me maybe out. there was someone else in the cars we didn't see and they took off maybe before off screen course, maybe. Yes. Uh, i will i will let that <laughs> argument every out. movie gets one pass I guess that's, that's yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah i think uh, even with fantastic performances like i said it, it did kind of drag for me um so i would probably go along with brian's rating and say a c overall well, yeah, I'm I'm definitely in a very different camp than you guys. I love J.C. Chandor. He just keeps impressing me more and more. I mean, I really liked Margin Call. I really loved All His Lost last year. And now you can add a most violent year to that mix. I love that this film kind of touches on something we just don't see in film a whole lot. And that is a guy who is flawed but also affable all at the same time. I, that's what I love so much about Locke. I think there are some really compelling themes here about being 
in an industry that is full of corruption, especially when you have power. Oscar Isaac's character is a guy that has power, but he refuses to let corruption just ruin his integrity. And he's seen it all his life. And he grew up from the bottom in this at this company and now has risen to the top. Of course, it doesn't hurt that you marry the boss's daughter along the way, but yeah. <laughs> but I love that he was going to stick to his guns, no pun intended, all the way through to the end, and I and I love that, and you know I love how in the midst of all this chaos, he's trying to help the people at his business as well. You know, we talk about the guy that you know was hurt and injured during his vehicle getting stolen in that scene that you were talking about, Paul. And and the way that that ending scene plays out for me, I thought was pretty heartbreaking. It was, it was very arduous to watch in a lot of ways. And even though it's the most violent part of the movie, it felt so earned to me and it showed flaws in the system. It showed flaws in all those characters and in their business and what they were trying to do. Uh, But uh, I I love this movie uh, all the way around. I would give this an A um, and I can only echo your guys' sentiment on the performances. Oscar Isaac, I agree, is one of the best and one of my favorites working today. Like Tom Hardy would probably be my number one, uh, and Oscar Isaac might be in my top three. I mean, I, I love everything he's doing, So, which is another reason why I'm excited to see him in Star Wars. He's doing films yeah. like this, but he's also being in Star Wars. Yeah. So got to love the guy. So anyway, if you want to read more of my thoughts, you can check out our Letterbox page at letterbox.com slash film. And again, we'd love your feedback. So if you agree or disagree with these guys' takes on A Most Violent Year, you can let us know by leaving a comment on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash film. Tweet us at film, or leave a comment on our Google Plus page or email us at InsessionFilm at gmail.com. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, maybe you're in my camp or maybe you're in Brian and Paul's camp. I- I'd love to hear your thoughts on A Most Violent Year. Uh, but that should do it for this week's show. Before we get to the ending, though, Brian, Paul, thanks for coming on the show, guys. It was a lot hey, of fun. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, anytime. It was really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, once again, we talked about your podcast a little bit up at the top of the show, but uh, tell us once again, where can we find your guys' awesome podcast on the internet? All right. Well, if you're looking to download our episodes, then obviously we're on iTunes. Just search for Blokebusters uh, and Hipcast as well. That's uh, what's running us. And then also, if you want to get a hold of us, we have our Twitter handle is at Blokebusters. A big shocker there, I know. Facebook.com slash Blokebusters. And like us. if you want to email us, it's blokebusterpodcast at gmail.com because I forgot to put the S in when I signed up for it. But it's growing on us. We like mm. it. Blokebuster. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> nice. nice. And, Very good stuff. And also, I, I myself was a guest on the Soiled Restroom Cinema podcast yeah, very yeah, yeah. recently uh, it'll be popping up uh, very soon if it hasn't already come out so look forward to that folks. So look for that all right yeah definitely go check out the show it's it's a ton of fun i promise uh, you're gonna love it uh and that should do it for this week's show uh you can also find us on facebook uh at facebook.com slash session film or you can follow us on twitter at session film uh, you can also follow us on YouTube and Google Plus. Just search In Session Film. And you can sign up for our monthly newsletter, which was just released this last weekend. And you can sign up for that on Facebook by clicking the newsletter tab or on our site at InSessionFilm.com slash newsletter. And for more thoughts on the films that we watch, you can check us out on Letterboxd, which you can do at Letterboxd.com slash InSessionFilm. You can also email us at InSessionFilm at gmail.com. We try to respond to every piece of email we get there. Also, you could subscribe to us on iTunes and on Stitcher. Why on iTunes? You can leave us a review and comment there. We'd appreciate some feedback there as well. 
And lastly, you can check us out on our Listen Now page, which is on our website at InsertionFilm.com slash Listen Dash Now. And the Insertion Film Podcast is supported by our super awesome listeners like you. Once again, if you want to help us, just go to InsertionFilm.com. You can click on our bonus content tab in our main menu to hear that for just a small donation of 99 cents. You can check out the Insertion Film store or just go to InsertionFilm.com slash donate and you'll see a bunch of information there on how you can help us. Uh, One thing that I would encourage is checking out our mobile app where you can hear everything we do under one roof. For just a one-time fee of $1.99. You can find that app on the Amazon market for Android devices, the Windows 8 phone store for Windows devices, or the podcast box app for iOS devices. All those details are on the site at incessionfilm.com slash apps. As for next week on the show, Brendan, we're going to be discussing Still Alice, uh, which has gotten Julianne Moore a lot of attention as she was nominated for Best Actress Uh, for her role in Still Alice. So I look forward to discussing that. Also, uh, for our extra film, I kind of mentioned this earlier in the show. Make sure you stay tuned for that uh, later this week. We're going to be discussing uh, Cake with Jennifer Aniston and also another big announcement as we will reveal who our new extra film co-host is. Uh, So make sure you stay on the lookout for that. Before we get out of here, fellas, Paul, Brian, any final thoughts on anything before we leave today? Uh, No, I'm just, uh, I had a ton of fun. Thanks for uh, having us on and I'd love to do it again if you would have us. That's all. Yeah, anytime. Just <laughs> yeah. let us know. Absolutely. Oh, we'll get you guys back on for sure. So <laughs> great. Uh, any final thoughts for you, Brendan? Uh, no, we're not going to have you guys on the show ever again. You're from Ohio. <laughs> hey, right. well, well. you too. Go Joe no, Pod. Uh, Go no. Joe Pod. Does that help? Go Joe Paterno. <laughs> Go Joe Pod. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice save. And I, I was kidding, All but right. nice save regardless. Right. No, it was All great. Right. I gotta go take a bath now. It was great fun having you guys on. We can't wait to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will only echo those thoughts. As far as final thoughts for me, uh, I recently got to catch up with the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, the him and the her version, uh, which was something that we haven't discussed on the show. We discussed them uh, some odd months ago, but you know we've talked a lot about Jessica Chastain on the show with the Most Violent Year. If you haven't seen her in those two films. Uh, I can only recommend them. I loved the her version. I even loved the him version even more with James McAvoy. Uh, it's a project that no one really talked about a whole lot, but man, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I'll be watching that over and over again. So that is my recommendation for the week. All right. Well, make sure you stay tuned for this week's extra film. Thanks again, Brian and Paul for joining us. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you guys next time on the Incession Film Podcast. We lost Brendan again. Yeah, I can hear you guys now. Hold on. Okay. Hello. Hello. Hey, I can hear you Hello. now. I'm can here. Can you hear me now? Yes. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> we're, we're in the commercials. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a perfect outtake right there. Yeah, you that'll go, be a good you one. Got, you got to save that. Uh, I'll, I'll save it. I'll put it at the end. <laughs>